On today's episode, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 just set a franchise box office record. Carl Urban, it looks like he's going to play Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 2. The Little Mermaid is now projected to be one of the biggest openings of any Disney animated to live action transfer. Could Miles Morales in the Spider-Verse actually cross over into the MCU for Secret Wars. We're going to talk about that. Also, yesterday, a completely disastrous days for Paramount Studios. And some financial analysts are now calling for them to just shut down Paramount. Plus, on the other side, HBO Max just showed its first profitable quarter in years. Also, Yellowstone is officially done at the end of this season, but a sequel series is coming. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campion Show starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Rage Show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you can have your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same or completely different from ours. Joining me in the studio today, we've got Ray Ora. Ray, you had uh Oh, oh you want to... Yeah, I mean, we're, right. we're on you here. Okay. Can I just say, this is the scariest part of my <laughs> experience here in the show. Ray says to me... Like three seconds before the show starts. By the way, John, I got something I got to say at the opening. I'm like, do you want to tell me what it is? It's like, nope. And I'm like, all right, here we go. So it's been well, nice having a channel. Well, What's everyone, up? you know, and I know, and probably most of the chat knows the hot toys thing, right? It's like oh, yeah. very expensive. They're they're cool stuff. They're like $300. What if I told you uh -oh. you could drop one of those zeros and get something just as cool? Uh -oh. I got yesterday. Uh -oh. I found me. Oh my god! Well, no, 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 but check this out. Some smoke comes out. <laughs> See that? <laughs> Look at that! It's fire breathing smoke, baby. Where's where he from? I thought it was gonna start singing peaches, See? but smoke is really cool too. <laughs> so yeah, so this right here, twenty nine dollars, baby. Nice. Look at that. You got to display that behind you. From where yeah. though? Where do I get him? Oh, Amazon. Like I looked this morning, they're sold out now. Oh so. damn it! Oh, I'm sure they'll get more in yeah, stock. Yeah. That okay. thing's pretty cool. Uh, of course, back there we've got Jen, Jonathan running the show. Of course, today Chris Carr is here, and most importantly. You guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. In the first part of the show, we're going to talk about those predetermined topics. Then in the second part of the show, we're going to take your questions and we take them two different ways. You can send in a question anytime, 24-7, even when the show's not live, at our tip link, which you can see right there at streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. We'll read off those questions first that you guys have sent in overnight. And then... We've, I think we've got some time left over after that. We're going to take some live questions from you guys. For those of you guys who are watching the show live and want to send in some questions, the Super Chats are currently open. You can send them in. Uh, get your questions in fairly early because we're only going to leave them open for a little while. All right. One other thing to remind you guys about is, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 opened last night. And that means this Sunday... The next installment of our live event of Movie Club with me, Christian Harloff, The Real Rejects, Greg Alba. We're going to be getting together in Burbank, California 
at Flappers Comedy Club. And we hope that you guys will come and join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But if you can't be there in person this time around, we are going to do it as a pay-per-view live stream as well. So if you look down in the description of this video, you'll find two different sets of ticket links. One is for the live and in-person. If you can be there in person, you can get your tickets there and come and join us. If you don't live anywhere around the LA area and you want to watch the stream live along with us, there's a second link in there where you can get your digital ticket for that as well. And we hope that you guys will join us. All right. One other thing, guys, in case uh, you guys need your daily fix of the John Campy show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video Listen up, there is an audio-only version of the show that we creatively just call the John Campia Show Podcast. Go into your favorite podcasting app of choice and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get things started here with this. Of course, as we just mentioned, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 opened up last night. Now, I got to see the movie last week, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a wonderful time watching this movie. I think for me, number one might still be my favorite of the three. Nonetheless, I had a great time watching it. It was fun, funny, thrilling, definitely deep-rooted emotion. Uh, there were a lot of tears in the theater and all that kind of stuff. Well, we haven't even gotten through the weekend, <laughs> and Guardians of the Galaxy 3 has already set a franchise box office record hey. for well done guardians hey. for its opening Thursday night previews guardians of the galaxy pulled in $17.5 million, which does exceed what the first one and the second one did, uh, which is pretty damn impressive. Uh, we go over now to variety who wrote the following, the guardians of the galaxy are blasting off the box office one final time, earning 17.5 million in previews for director James Gunn's volume three finale. It will expand to 4,450 theaters nationwide on Friday. The newest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe will take the box office crown after Universal Illuminations, the Super Mario Brothers movie, topped the charts for the last four weeks. Guardians Volume 3 is expected to bring in between 110 and 120 million in its opening weekend, which is in between the grosses of the previous two films, also directed by Gunn. So... I mean, right now, we talked about this the other day, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is projected to get anywhere between $110, 120000000 million. I believe that is short. I think it will be a little bit more than that. Like, I, I don't know for sure that it will be, but I, I think it'll probably be a little bit more than that. Now, that means it'll come south of Guardians of the Galaxy 2's opening weekend, which had a spectacular opening weekend of $147 million, but it'll mean it'll come in well north of the original Guardians of the Galaxy's opening weekend. So it's off to a good start. And listen, it's not just off to a good start with the box office having the biggest preview night in the franchise, but when you go over to Rotten Tomatoes, you notice it's got an 80% critic rating right now. But more importantly, now that it is played for audiences with over a thousand verified people who saw the movie ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, 96% audience rating. So an 80 critic rating, 96% audience rating. So uh, this thing is already kind of winning. Now, how, how will this go? How big will the opening weekend be? Will it have legs as we get through the weekend to next weekend? We'll, we'll find that out. But I think everybody can agree it's off to a pretty damn good start. Anyway, Chris, you and Logan mm -hmm. had a chance finally last night to go and see Guardians of the Galaxy yes. Volume 3. Uh, just in general, what did you think about the movie and what do you think about these three sets of numbers? 
Biggest opening night for the franchise, an 80% critic rating, 96% audience rating. What do you think about all this? Those numbers make complete sense to me. And it's, <laughs> oh man, it's so nice too. Because sometimes when we talk on the show and I'm like, I think this movie will do well. Like, God, I hope it does well because I don't want to look like a dummy on the internet again. But I'm so glad it's doing really, really well so far. This is such a great film. And, and much like Endgame and Infinity War, it really does depend on like, the weight of the entire franchise here, right? But volume three has such a beautiful, beautiful payoff to the Guardians. I mean, it is, it's such a great film. This is my favorite of the franchise. I yes. loved this so much. I sobbed uncontrollably. <laughs> um, there's really beautiful, heartfelt moments in here. There's some really funny things too. There is so much joy at the end of this movie. And I want all of you to see it. Go see it right now. Oh my gosh. Go, well, after, go after, after you watch the show, after the watch stream, the show. Maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you know it's funny. It's wonderful. Anne, Anne did a little bit of a rewatch last night before we went to bed of watching some Guardians and Guardians Two, and I want to know what you if you agree with this, Ray. When Anne watched a little bit of the other ones again, she goes, "You know, when you watch all three of them together, Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of the story of Rocket." Yeah. When, when you really watch all three together. I mean, for if you just watch the first two, it's Peter's story. But if you watch all three, it kind of starts to feel like Rockets. Anyway, you saw it too yeah, last night. Yeah. What did you uh, think? Uh, it's my favorite movie since No Way Home. Like Marvel movie. Like it's, it's there's a lot of things. It was an emotional roller coaster. Seriously. You didn't want to sit next to me. I was like this the whole time. <laughs> just trying to. Um, but, you know, you bring up the legs thing, right? Right. <sighs> As as good or great as a movie this is, the legs thing is uh, hard for me to see for me personally because there's a lot of things here that I I just don't want to see again. You know, well, it was very emotional. For yeah, me, yeah, right? yeah. So like, there's a there's but some a, people love feeling that. Yeah, yeah. Want to go if, if if I'm gonna re watch this a second time, it has to be this weekend when everyone's watching it for the first time because. I'm just going for the reactions. Right, just to right. See you want to see everybody else react. Because it was great last night in the theater. So um, that's the this weekend would be the only weekend I would probably watch it again. But, you know, other fans, they might love this movie so much that they'll watch it three or four times. It deserves all the money it's going to get. I'm going to tell you that right now. And, uh, like, I just wish that uh, it, 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 it ex- exceeds expectations because it deserves it. Yeah. I really love now, this movie. Now, it's funny because me, Ray... And Chris have to be careful talking to the audience. Yeah, I know. There's Jen, so many things Jen and Jonathan have not watched the movie yet, <sighs> so I know Jen. Jen's going to go see it later today. Mm-hmm. I, Jonathan, you're you're talking about trying to get tickets before Everything we do the live in event Burbank on Sunday. Is sold. So <laughs> it looks like I'm pretty much going to get spoiled at the event. Oh I, no! It is what it is. You it's, know what? Try to get a matinee ticket before the live event at the AMC Burbank 16. Yeah. Well, I tried. There's like an 11:30, but everything is sold. <laughs> Well, like are you are you AMC like a pass mm-hmm. person? Oh, okay, never yeah. mind. I was gonna say Regal has a ton. I could me. try. I, oh, I could try. But that. We're gonna be yeah. right across the street from the event anyway. But but that's a good sign too that the weekend showings are all selling out. Anyway, guys, question is for you: What do you think about these numbers? Did you guys have a chance to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three yourself last night as it opened in theaters across the country? What do you think about the critic ratings, the incredibly high audience ratings? The great opening night. How do you think it's going to do opening weekend? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this. You know, one of the movies, trailers can get us excited for movies, even though trailers are just corporately produced pieces of manipulation meant to trick us into giving them our money. Still, I love trailers. And trailers can get us quite excited for movies. And one of the movies 
that got me really kind of pumped were the trailers for Mortal Kombat. <laughs> because in that trailer, a man sliced open another man, instantly froze the blood that came out of that man, and then stabbed that man again with his own frozen blood. Oh my God. It is one of the greatest <laughs> things <laughs> I have ever seen in a trailer ever. Unfortunately, I did not think the movie was very good. <laughs> like it, it was, it, the movie was a missed opportunity. To my surprise, they announced that they were going to do a sequel. I mean, listen, I'd rather a sequel to that than to the Snake Eyes one they did because that was really yeah. terrible. But they announced that they're going to do a sequel and, and they've everything's been moving. We've been talking about the sequel a little bit lately. Well, now I think the most significant announcement uh, or at least report has now come out about Mortal Kombat 2 and that is this. Carl Urban. Apparently, this has been the question ever since the end of the first one. <laughs> who's going to play Johnny Cage? That's the world was wanted to know more than who's going to be the next Bond. Who's going to be the next Batman? Who's going to be Mr. Fantastic? Nothing compared to who's going to be Johnny Cage. Everybody wanted to know. And apparently it's going to be Carl Urban. Uh, this comes from the folks over at Screen Rant who wrote, with production set to begin this summer, Mortal Kombat 2 has reportedly found its Johnny Cage with the boy star Carl Urban. The upcoming film will act as a sequel to the 2021 reboot adaptation of the beloved fighting video game series, picking up from the cliffhanger in which the heroes of Earthrealm must regroup for the next fight against Shorsher Shang Shung and his evil forces from Outworld. Uh, scoring better reviews than the original, Mortal Kombat was a modest box office success and an HBO Max hit with a sequel confirmed in January of 2022. So there we go. We got Carl Urban coming in on the way. Listen, the original Mortal Kombat to me is a terrible movie. It's a terrible yeah, movie, but so I bad, love but it. It's so yeah. fun. Yeah. I love it unapologetically. I love it. Even with Christopher Lambert as Raiden. I don't care. <laughs> that, that's his line. That's how he, that's how Christopher oh, laughs. Wait, 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 let me ask you something, John. Yes. If that movie didn't have the music at all, let's say they could put a, would it still be one well, of the, the original? Yeah. I don't I, know. Cause that, listen, seriously, mm -hmm. when you're talking about not score, but soundtrack. Yeah. That's in a top three for me, favorite soundtracks of all time. Uh, I still listen to Duhast. I still listen to a lot of like Juke Joint Jezebel. Like that <laughs> soundtrack of the original Mortal Kombat is oh one of the God. greatest soundtracks to any movie ever. So I don't know how much I would still <laughs> love it if it wasn't for that soundtrack. It goes hand in hand, right? Yeah, it does kind of go hand in hand. But I mean, the addition of Carl Urban, look, there are a couple of guys and, and, and women in this business that you look at and you think, how are they not like major A-listers in this business? Carl Urban is one of those for me. But listen, Carl Urban, at the end of the day, has kind of quietly amassed a really envious resume. Mm -hmm. I mean, just look at a couple of these highlights for him. Of course, he's in one of the best shows on television in The Boys, playing the role that I actually think he was born to play, which is Billy Butcher. And then he's got range. Who would think that the guy who's playing Billy Butcher will play... Dr. McCoy, Bones, and Star Trek. Yet he's great in it. He, of course, has got his Lord of the Rings character. A lot of people forget, not only was he Julius Caesar in Xena Warrior Princess, <laughs> but he had the distinct honor of playing two characters in the Xena Hercules universe. He was Julius Caesar, and he was Cupid. Cupid. He was Cupid. Go yeah. look up pictures of him as Cupid. Uh, he was in the MCU in Thor Ragnarok. He was amazing in Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. And on and on and on. He even had this one season show 
a couple of years ago. It only lasted one season, got canceled. It's too bad that it couldn't find an audience. It was pretty good. I think it was called Almost Human, uh, where he played like a yes. futuristic cop where he gets yeah. partnered with an android uh, who is... Uh, but there he is, this Cupid, <laughs> Carl Urban as yeah. Cupid. Um, but I love this dude. And if he's joining Mortal Kombat, look, him joining it doesn't make the script any better. But even if he's just given some slick one-liners, it'll probably up my enjoyment of the movie. Anyway, Chris, you hear about Carl Urban joining yeah. Mortal Kombat 2. What do you think? I mean, okay, I love Carl Urban. And I think he's wonderful in everything that he does. But I'm with a lot of fans on Johnny Cage is just the Miz. And I, I would love to see the Miz in this, if I'm being completely honest. Because <laughs> these movies are ridiculous. And it's basically just his persona for WWE. So I think that would have been a cool kind of fit there. But Carl Urban's wonderful. I feel like he would have been better as, um, oh gosh, who's the the cyborgy one? Kano? Is yeah, that but they Kano? had him in the yeah. first Kano? one already. Yeah, he's already in there, I know. Um, yeah, but he would have been great in that kind of role, I feel. Um, do we know what the plot is for Mortal Kombat? Does it matter? Really important. I don't think let the producers. Listen, I don't think the producers ask that question. Well, I'll do you one better. Are we Does doing like anybody the know the plot of the first one? That's even a very after great watching point. It. Something about was... being a descendant. <laughs> yeah, blah blah, blah blah. New guy. Uh, that's... Well, that's what I'm wondering too. If we do Nether Realm things, or I, I'm just wondering if it's still more cage matches and things. I. I what is this movie going to be? Anyway, Carl Urban's great. He'll do a great job with whatever he's given. In the Mortal Kombat universe, this was probably one of the most important casting that uh, uh, this movie was going to get. Like, I mean, Johnny Cage is Johnny one of like Cage. the main characters. That well, and didn't, didn't the first one end with like a camera panning over and you see a big poster? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was just the word Johnny Cage on the poster. Right, and that, right. The audience got more excited at that right. that we saw it than anything else in the movie. Yeah. You know, I would have loved to see Glenn Powell take Johnny Cage role. Glenn Powell, oh, I thought been he would have been the, that would have been my pick, but I think he's his price tag is a little higher than this movie. Hey, but you're right too, The Miz. I mean, yeah. when you I think about John, The Miz, the Miz is Johnny but Cage. It would be really hard for me as as much as I can't take the movie seriously, it would be going to like extreme like yeah. just like just uh <laughs> yeah, Miz with it. Nothing gets Miz, but I would not take the movie. But we had to buy into, you know, we had to buy into The Rock, we had to buy into right, Stan and all true, these others. We had to true, buy into true, Bautista. True. So uh, Okay, okay. I, if Don't Miz forget was, the yeah. Miz was in The Marine. I, that was what? That was it? Right? Or the Marine Six? <laughs> or something like that? Some, something from WWE film. <laughs> anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Apparently, Carl Urban, Billy Butcher, Carl. is going to be Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 2. What did you think about the first one? Do you care at all about the second one? If not, does <laughs> him joining it raise your anticipation at all? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, one of the movies that are coming up here and that they highlighted at CinemaCon a couple weeks ago is The Little Mermaid. And they showed us a full scene sequence with Ursula and Ariel as Ursula sings her song, Poor Unfortunate Souls. And I can't remember, what's the release date of, oh. um, of Little Mermaid? Because I can't remember exactly when it's supposed to come out. At any rate. Check. But they played that. And listen, I'll tell you what, I'm not a Little Mermaid guy. Like, I am more of an Aladdin guy, Memorial Day weekend, Lion so. King, May. that sort of May thing. May 26th. What's that, May? May 26th. May 26th. Uh, so just a couple of weeks. Yeah. I am, I'm not a big fan of The Little Mermaid, to be honest with you. But 
when they played that sequence of poor unfortunate souls, I was like, okay, you, I'm, I'm on board. This looks great. I think the trailers will look quite good, all that kind of stuff. And now reports are coming out that they're pegging the opening weekend for this to be between 110 and $120 million, roughly the same of guardians of the galaxy volume three, which is huge for them on this. Now, I want to point something out. Uh, this report came out yesterday about the 110, 120 million opening. And I've already seen a lot of, I mean, let's, let's just call it what it is. The moment that they showed that the little mermaid was going to have less than pasty white skin. There were, there were some bottom dwellers who just instantly became against this movie for Hashtag no other not reason. Not my mermaid. The yeah. funny thing is yeah. they weren't going to see it anyway. Yeah. Not, not, not that there aren't people who legitimately were open-minded, watched the trailers and thought, eh, this doesn't look like it's very good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly good. But let's be honest. Let, let's, let's just call it what it is. There are a number of people out there who are just completely against the movie the moment they saw anything other than pasty white skin on Ariel. That being said, there is, I already saw some people trying to take this report about like 110 to $120 million and already declaring it a disaster <laughs> saying, Oh, it's a flop. Cause they've been I'm, right so many times in the past. When uh, said yeah, that. yeah, exactly. Historically, but yeah. I mean, yeah. but I'm, I'm like, really a hundred and, 110 to 100, that's a flop. Like, I guess in the world of, in the world we live in of Infinity War and Endgame, like people now yeah. would just expect like, well, any movie that makes under a billion dollars is a failure. And any movie that doesn't open to $175 million is a flop. And it's like, I just think people lose perspective. And I thought, well, let's, let's give this a little bit of perspective, okay? Because- with The Little Mermaid being targeted at 110 to 120 million, there are a number of Disney live action adaptations that have all opened under 100 million mm -hmm. and have done pretty damn well. Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella, which we love, only opened to 67 million, only opened to 67, opened with 67 million dollars, by the way, bigger than any John Wick film. Mm. But it went on to make over half a billion dollars. Maleficent, which I don't like very much, but Maleficent opened to $69 million. It's Chris's favorite number for whatever reason. That's Taylor. It went on to make $759 million on an opening of 69. Maleficent 2, which I really didn't like, only opened to $37 million, still almost hit half a billion dollars. Dumbo, which I also didn't like, $46 million, and it had the least impressive result, but still well over 300, around the Black Adam range. With an open of, opening it's of $46 million, dollars, made $353 million. Aladdin opened well short of what The Little Mermaid is going to open with, and it joined the Billion Dollar Club at $1.05 billion. John Favreau's The Jungle Book opened with less than what Little Mermaid's going to open with. And it almost joined the Billion Dollar Club at $967 million. The lesson here in context is, for a Disney live-action adaptation, 110 to $120 million, bring the list up one more time, 110 to $120 million puts it above all these films, and all these films, maybe save one on that list, were absolutely considered successful. Disney films, these Disney ones, 
they're not like your typical tentpole films where they make all their money in the first weekend. These Disney films, as this chart lays out and proves definitively, this isn't some opinion, this is stats. Disney films, provided if they're good, that's a key thing, but they've shown a little bit different behavior than your traditional tentpole blockbuster, which is really front-end heavy. They open fairly well, and then they have legs. Mm -hmm. And the families keep going back and bringing the kids again and again and again. And they went... Now, I left off a couple of films because there are two in particular that made more money than Little Mermaid is going to make on their opening weekend. And that is uh, Beauty and the Beast, which went on to blow past the billion-dollar mark, and The Lion King, which is not live action. It's another animated film, but a remake nonetheless. And it opened with 180-something million dollars and went on to become the biggest animated film of all time with $1.6 billion. But those are the only two. Those are the only two adaptations of classic Disney animation that ever made more than them. Little Mermaid's going to make more than all of these other ones, and all of these other ones did quite well at the box office. So when we go over and look at the headline from Deadline that reads Little Mermaid to do backflips over Memorial Day weekend with 100... They're not exaggerating. This is a big, big win for them. Now, again, it's all going to come down to how good is the movie. I think it looks good, but I've seen a lot of movies that looked good that I ended up not liking very much at all. Maybe this will be one of them, but the stuff I've seen so far looks pretty good. Anyway, Chris, you've seen the reports now, what they're calling for. It's, it's going to come in north of $100 million for its opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Where are you expecting it to do? How do you think it's going to perform? What's your anticipation level like for the movie right now? Oh, much like Ariel, this movie's going to have legs. Come on, baby. This is going to be walking around. And also to borrow from, uh, you know, yogurt, this is going to have uh, merchandising. There's lots and lots of merchandising. Merchandising. You mean, is that Spaceballs? Yeah, from Spaceballs. (laughs) It's going to have merchandising. Anne could talk to this at much better length, but, you know, so many of these films, too, they need to do well, but a lot of times it's kids going back to these theaters, too, and then buying the Barbies that go with these and the places that go with these and the outfits that go with these. So these movies have the potential to make so much money, and this is one that people will be going back to over and over again, I think, as well. The leg up that this has on Guardians is, I know a few people are asking me, hey, is Guardians something that I could take my littles to? And there are some moments where I genuinely think if you it's have a questionable. kid who's under maybe the age of 10, they might get really, really scared by some of the stuff that happens in that one or really, really upset. And you're going to have an interesting car ride home talking about animal rights. So there's some things there that I think are going to keep people from doing repeat visits with their kids in a different way that, you know, Mario is being able to have such a sustainable longevity in the box office because kids want to keep going back and seeing that over and over again. And adults have a fun time yeah, with yeah, it, too. Kids, kids, yeah, kids. Kids want to keep going back kids. and see Mario. And also, yeah, and also me, who has seen it three times. <laughs> but... I also think, you know, this movie, the more I see of it, the more I'm really excited about it. Because I was somebody who at the beginning was, you know, uh, Halle You Bailey. weren't big on the trailer. No, you Halle Bailey the was trailer. the only saving grace for me from the get-go. Was She has an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. She has this beautiful ethereal look to her already. I buy her as Ariel, but all the other things around it were... I just don't know if I really enjoy the aesthetic of this movie. I don't know if I mm-hmm. like how it looks. That was looks. my thing, too. Because um, it looked very, very CGI yeah. to me, especially in a post-Way of Waterworld, right? And... Now, the more I see of it, the footage we saw at CinemaCon, too. Well, yeah, I was going to ask, how did you feel about that poor, unfortunate soul that scene that they really did That really moved us? the needle for me, because I also wasn't really sold on Melissa McCarthy in this role. And, man, she's really made it her own from that one song. I will right. say I only saw one song. But I'm much more excited about this now. So I think it's going to do phenomenally well. 
All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? They're saying Little Mermaid is going to be in the pantheon of these Disney adaptations. It's going to be one of the biggest grossing opening weekends that they've ever had, just short of like a Beauty and the Beast and Lion King, which went on to become some of the biggest films of all time. What do you think it's going to do? Are you excited for the film? Are you like Chris where, you know what? The trailers really haven't done it for me. Are you like me where it's like, you know what? The trailers have made me interested. Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on now to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline number anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And maybe you'll hear your voice on our show. Today, we got a question about Miles Morales maybe joining the MCU. Check it out. Hey guys, my name is Mario. I'm, I'm from Oklahoma, watched since about 2013. My question is, with Across the Spider-Verse, what if Miles gets brought into the MCU, how they're playing it around? If you guys know Miles' story, his universe gets destroyed in his timeline. And what if they destroy this timeline, bring a few people from that franchise into the MCU for the main timeline for Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty? We all know that Spider-Man is a key character for Secret Wars, and Tom Holland's contract is going to expire. Let me know what you guys think and bring on the next. All right. Thanks a lot for calling that in, Mario. I mean, a lot of people have been wondering and asking about, like, what could the future of Miles be? Now, for those of you guys know, I, like for me, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was one of the biggest, I, I don't even call it surprise, I call it revelations to me, because it was one of those movies that I did not like even the idea of Into the Spider-Verse. I didn't like the animation style when I saw it in trailers. I didn't think it looked that good. I didn't think the movie would be that good. And then I walked into it, watched it, and walked out changed. It wasn't just the best animated film that year. It was the best comic book movie that year. And that was the same year that Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War came out. And to this day, I'll, I'll debate this with anybody. I think it's, of course, it's all subjective, but I will take the position very, very comfortably that Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse was the best comic book movie that year. And, and that's the movie that I crap talked on for like a year before it came out. Um, but it was magnificent. Absolutely magnificent. Now we got the new one coming out, which we can't wait to see. And they've already showed us like 15 minutes of it at last year's CinemaCon. They showed us a whole bunch more again at this year's CinemaCon. It looks beautiful and charming and warm and all everything you come to expect from it. Super stoked for it. But with the growing popularity of Miles, and of course the first one won the Academy Award for Best Animated Film, could they be looking at bringing Miles over into the mainline MCU? Honestly, I don't think there's any chance in hell. Now, do I think it's a bad idea? No. No, no, I don't. I think you're going to get a lot of... Listen, Disney's is loves using the fan service tool. They use it well, too. Like, there's cheap fan service, and then there's well-used fan service. Sometimes Marvel is guilty of both, to be honest with you. But I think the fans could absolutely like it. I think I would get a big kick out of it. But the reason I'm going to say I don't think there's any chance in hell is this. Sony ain't going to let it happen. Sony right now, Spider-Verse is their 
crown jewel. I mean, just look at Morbius. I mean, <laughs> I mean you think it would be Morbius, but no, their <laughs> their crown jewel right now is into the is is Spider Verse with Miles Morales, and don't forget. They've got the third one already in production. They're already doing the third because it's across the Spider-Verse. And what was the third one going to be called? Touch Your Toes in the Spider-Verse? Something or, like that, yeah. There's Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider, Through the Spider-Verse, uh, Spider-verse. Upside Down. Oh, yeah. In, wait, what was the first it's one? Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> and then Across. Then Across the Spider-Verse. Beyond? Was that it? Beyond, Beyond the, the spider That sounds like it makes sense. Sure. Beyond so don't forget they've got that third Beyond one stuff. coming too. So while it's in the United States, well, well, Marvel will want to do it. Listen, I don't know how many times I got to explain this. Marvel has no say. Marvel has zero control over what happens with this character. It's completely Sony's until Sony decides to give up the rights or give the rights back. But, And I don't want them to because they're doing a fucking fantastic job with this franchise right now. So uh, while I would get a kick out of seeing it, I don't think there's any chance in hell that's going to happen. Anyway, Chris... Uh, I know you and Logan are both appreciators oh, yeah. of the Spider-Verse films. I know you're excited about this new one. Very. What do you think the possibilities are that maybe we could see in this movie something that happens that causes Miles to come into the main Marvel MCU and be a part of Secret Wars? I don't think we're going to blatantly see that in this movie. I think there's there's one thing to be said about referencing the MCU, right, which we've all heard in the trailer, but all shows can do that. Right. It's why when you were watching CW shows, they could make jokes about the Hulk and things like that, because in their universe, Marvel Comics also existed, which right. I always found a bit convoluted. But still, you can do that. Stuff Eternals. Without... They joked about Superman. Exactly. Yeah. So you can do those things without worrying about the you know nightmare that can be licensing and copyright infringement and things like that. This would have to have some new negotiations happening between Sony and Disney or negotiations that we're just not aware of, right? Obviously, they've divided up some of the spider peoples. So there's something to be said about those ongoing talks. I could see them doing this in the future, though, because it just makes sense to bring everybody together. And Miles is such a beloved character. He's so wonderful and I think deserves to be in a live action format as well and would be such a wonderful, wonderful addition to Secret Wars. I think it'd be phenomenal to have him in there, but I don't think this is going to be the movie that blatantly lays out that road work. I guess if somebody could come up with an argument about how this would benefit Sony, because I don't know how it does because they haven't needed, like there's a lot of people who feel like, for instance, we did our potential billion dollar films after Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm. I don't even have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as one of the possibilities. Again, the first one only made a little over $300 million, or what was it, 402 or something, something like, that. like that. Anyway, made less than half a billion dollars. I don't see it, unfortunately, even though it's probably my number one or number two most anticipated film left in this year between that and Dune. I, I don't see it getting anywhere near a billion dollars, but like Sony is has single-handedly turned this Miles Morales character into a beyond just the comic book readers, which is a small fraction of our population, has turned a lot more people into diehard Miles Morales fans. And I just don't see why they would want to mess up what they've got going right now. Because I'll tell you what, while I don't think the second one will make a billion dollars, and I hope I'm wrong, I would love for this film to make a billion dollars. I think the third one could, because if the second film is on par with the first one, we're starting to talk about one of the greatest, if not the greatest, comic book movie trilogy ever. Now, I, that's that's me getting way ahead of myself. We still got to see the second film. And we still got to see the third film, obviously. But I just don't see what would be the motivation for Sony 
Yeah. To to take the character and let somebody else take control of it. You're I don't have to drive up so many dump trucks filled with cash. There's, there's almost no almost almost as much that it wouldn't be worth their while anymore. Exactly. Like yeah, Disney could back up ten billion dollars. Okay, great. But why would Disney give up ten billion dollars just to put a character in one movie? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Hey, listen, I would like to see it happen. I would like it, but I. I just don't see a path that it will. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think? Do you think we could have this happen? Now, listen, a lot of us thought for a long time that we'd never see Spider-Man in the MCU, but then Sony almost went bankrupt and they had to make some deals. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe that can happen too. Whatever you guys think here, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, listen, we still got a bunch of things to talk about. We're going to talk about a monumentally historic, horrible day for Paramount that happened yesterday, a great day for HBO, and of course, a terrible day for those of us who are Yellowstone fans. But before we get to those things, we're going to take a second to thank a couple of sponsors of our show here today, the good folks over at HelloFresh and Honey. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's show, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. When the spring sunshine is calling your name, don't call for takeout. Get HelloFresh instead. Their quick and easy meals make feeding the family and yourself a cinch and without the high price tag. Their new fast and fresh options are ready in just 15 minutes or less. And guys, don't worry about it if you're not exactly a pro in the kitchen. HelloFresh's foolproof recipes arrive pre-portioned and easy to prepare in just a few steps. You guys know Anne and I have been using HelloFresh for a long time now, and we absolutely love it. Both of us being working professionals, it's often difficult for us to find time to make dinner together. But with HelloFresh, it's easy, it's fun, and it's absolutely delicious. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use the code Campia16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 using the promo code for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Today's episode of the John Campy Show is brought to you by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. Guys, more and more, we enjoy shopping online, whether it's on our phones or our computers. And how many times have you gotten to the checkout and seen that promo code box and thought, man, if I only had a promo code, I could save some money. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. So here's the situation. You're shopping online on one of your favorite sites. And when you go to checkout, the Honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then just wait a few seconds as Honey works its magic and searches for coupons it can find for that site that you're on. And if Honey finds working coupon, just watch the price drop. Recently, Ann and I were hanging out at home one evening and we decided to order in and the Honey button appeared. I was able to apply coupon and I actually saved like six or seven bucks. It was that easy to use. And Honey doesn't just work on your desktop computer. It also works on your iPhone. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash campia. That's joinhoney.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at HelloFresh and Honey for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to this, shall we? Listen, um, 
Paramount has had a great couple of years for, for them. Like we went from going about five, six years in a row going, man, how's Paramount going to survive? How's Paramount going to survive? To just, they really turn things around and start having little win, big win, little win, little win, big win, little win, like just really starting to turn it up. And they have done some of the best stuff at CinemaCon as well. Obviously they had the big success with Top Gun. They've got the upcoming uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, they've had, with small horror, they've had some tremendous success there as well. They've just been doing things really well. But the stock market can be a fickle mistress. Because yesterday, uh, Paramount Studios announced their quarterly earnings, which uh, were low. Actually, they lost money. And they also announced something that shareholders don't like to hear. Paramount Studios is one of those stocks that gives dividends. Um, if you don't know what a dividend is, uh, when you buy a stock, I'm going to really super oversimplify it. When you buy a stock, if the stock goes up, hey, you make money. If it goes down, you lose money. But dividends are basically just by owning stock, the company just sends you little bits of money every year, just sends it to you. Here's some money for being a shareholder. It's great. But they also announced yesterday that they were reducing, drastically slashing their dividends. All that news caused a market reaction in which Paramount lost nearly one-third of their value yesterday. Their stock dropped 28% in one day. Not the day they were looking for. Now, this response also got some major financial an analysts, including Wells Fargo, to come out and say that Paramount should just shut down Paramount+. Plus. And they made some arguments as well. This comes to us from IndieWire. Cahal, in his analysis, suggested that Backish change course and consider shutting down direct-to-consumer, that's the streaming network, uh, Paramount+, Plus, should just and consider shutting down direct-to-consumer, specifically Paramount+. Plus. This comes in the wake of the company having already spent $1.7 in merging Showtime with Paramount+, Plus based on its Q1 earnings figure. The way Cahal sees it, Paramount+, Plus is fighting hard for fifth place. Fighting hard for fifth place in the streaming wars behind Netflix, Disney+, Hulu, HBO Max, Soon Just Max, and it's competing with the likes of Peacock, Apple TV+, and Amazon Prime Video, all of which are much better funded. All three of those. Peacock has got Comcast behind it. Apple has Apple. Amazon has Amazon. <laughs> much better funded for a long-term fight. According to Wells Fargo's model, Cahill doesn't see Paramount or even Comcast breaking even in streaming until 2027. Disney Plus expects to be profitable by 2024, and Warner Brothers Discovery should see Max break even by next year. Okay. So despite the fact that Paramount Plus itself has been doing some interesting things, obviously they got the Yellowstone universe there. They've got Star Trek, which has had a couple of big wins in a row with uh, Strange New Worlds and Picard Season 3. Uh, Halo. They, what's that? <laughs> Halo. Hey, Halo, change the game. Halo, change the game. Um, they just recently had uh, King of Tulsa, which set some record numbers for them. Uh, they've had a number of things, right? But like they're saying, it's like Paramount right now is fighting for fifth place. The overall market analysis has been that the streaming, like all of us have believed, all you guys at home, everybody, we've all been saying it, that the streaming landscape is going to be overcrowded. And it is overcrowded. Not everybody can spend 20 bucks a month for a streaming network, for 12 streaming networks or whatever, right? 
Now they're kind of suggesting that they should just maybe shut down Paramount Plus. Well, and do what? How, how do you get left behind in this new landscape? Ah, here's what you do if you're Paramount. You shut all that down and then you do what Sony's doing. Where everybody is in an arms race, you become the arms dealer. Mm. In a world where everybody is in an arms race, you become the arms dealer. Sony has already made its position pretty clear. They're not interested in having their own streaming service. Instead, they're going to create content and make every other sucker in the neighborhood pay top dollar to get that content. Because in the, war, in the world of the streaming wars, exclusive IP is king. They need, they need a constant inflow of content more than they themselves can produce. We've even seen HBO saying we need to reduce how much we're creating for HBO Max. We've seen Disney already say we need to reduce how much we're creating for Disney+. Plus. So everybody's going to be in the market for great content. Sony has taken the position that's made them profitable to say, ah, we, we don't want our own streaming service. We're just going to make content, make y'all pay top dollar for it. And there's an argument to be made here that Paramount, who like the IndieWire articles pointing out, they're fighting for fifth place. Maybe they should reallocate funding they don't have a hope of becoming profitable with Paramount Plus for years. Maybe re-strategize. Set your focus in a new direction. Become like Sony. Become the arms dealer. Create, keep making Star Trek content. And guess what? Make Peacock, make Amazon, make Apple TV Plus, make Disney Plus, make Netflix, make all them get into a bidding war for your Star Trek content. You're going to make more money probably doing that, then you are trying to occupy and populate your own streaming service. At least that's what the analysts are saying. And I tend to agree with them. Listen, I've actually started to become a kind of a fan of Paramount Plus. I like Paramount Plus, but I'll be just as big of a fan as that content if that content is living on another streaming service. And I think this could be a way. It's working for Sony. I think it can work for Paramount. Anyway, Chris, you see this article. They dropped almost 30% yesterday. Analysts are saying they're at least five years away, four to five years away from maybe even breaking even. What do you think Paramount should do at this point? Should they like say, no, we've got, we're going to, we're in this for the long haul. We are, we've got a long-term plan with Paramount plus we've already invested a lot. We're going to stay the course. Do you think like, I think that maybe they should change directions here. I don't know. What do you think should happen? Yeah, here? My knee jerk reaction is stop the hemorrhaging, mm. right? If you're not turning a profit. But then when I look at, you know, traditional television, things like the CW that never turned a profit, Yeah, right? So it is hard to kind of take that step back because immediately just from my own personal idea of finances, if something continues to lose you money, why would you continue to invest in it? That seems incredibly foolish. But I understand the long game here has so much potential. It's just, you see know- that you don't want to see. Ooh. Ah, that's, that's that Jonathan, age. our stock market expert, yeah. bringing up- uh, Here's our earnings. <laughs> not what you want to see. Yeah. I mean, uh, the article puts it so well when it's it says, if you're not a streamer named Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max, potentially, you're not making money. None of these streamers are making a profit in the way they all hoped they would. So it just seems like 
one of the things, again, we took away from CinemaCon, the investment should be in theatrical, right? The investment should be right. putting it on more traditional platforms and then moving it on to streaming and things. And the president of Paramount understands this very, very well. He has a great grasp on that concept. So I'm wondering how you make people more enticed to come over here. And I think it is you have to change up what's on the platform. You have to have that really, really killer IP that people want to tune into. I mean, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I lost my Paramount Plus password and was like, oh, Nah, and I just watched other stuff. I haven't logged back in since we got kicked out of it. So, I, I, you gotta get me a little more excited about your platform. All right, guys. Question is for you. Glad you like what it, do right? you think about this? I mean, Paramount had, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say had a crippling day uh, yesterday and bringing a lot of the things of their strategy into, into focus. What do you think they should do about Paramount Plus? I mean, I like Paramount Plus, but it's not a lot of stuff they have on there and it could be living on other homes and making them more money. I don't know. What would you do if you were in charge of Paramount right now? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum here. Shall we? <laughs> As that article pointed out, like the streaming, I mean, Netflix, it took them almost two decades to become profitable. I mean, when I started the John Campia show, they were still losing billions of dollars every year, but they had such a huge amount of revenue, even though they were spending more than they were making, you knew they were going to stay afloat and they have now become profitable. Disney Plus is still not profitable. They're still losing money, all that kind of stuff. But HBO Max had been losing money for years. And that was kind of part of their plan. Along comes David Zaslav, and now, according to report and deadline, oops, sorry, there it is, <laughs> David Zaslav, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> according to report and deadline, HBO Max under the first quarter with David Zaslav now leading the company, HBO Max is actually profitable, not a ton, not a ton, but for the first quarter in many many years, there's the the celebration sacks. For the first time in many years, uh, HBO Max has actually made money. This comes to us from Deadline, who write the following. Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav has said the company's U.S. streaming operation is no longer bleeding after it posted a $50 million, not billion, but $50 million profit for Q1 this year. It's hard, harder to run a business when you have a big bleeder, he told investors on an earnings call. Warner Brothers Discovery had posted several quarters of streaming losses before today's swing into the black. The EBITDA spike is good news for WBD as it gears up to launch its HBO Max Discovery Plus hybrid service Max later this year. U.S. streaming subs were up 1.6 million to 97.6 million overall. So now it should be pointed out that while HBO Max is now will soon to be called the idiotic, stupid, first really dumbass decision that David Zaslav has made uh, is being changed just to Max, whatever. <laughs> um, Warner Brothers Discovery as a whole did continue to lose money this quarter. Like as a whole, they lost money, but they attributed a lot of that to the acquisition financing. They're still playing a lot of interest on the acquisition financing and all that kind of stuff, but their individual branches are now starting to be turned around and making money, including HBO. Now, this is a good sign for them, especially as they move into this new service, <sighs> Max. 
uh, not as bad as Peacock. Um, I'm just waiting for, you know, Euro Pussy, the, oh, the streaming wow. service. But it's a popular streaming service in Prague. It's a popular streaming service in Prague. The logo is a cat. It's like the logo is a cat. It's an octopus. A European cat has a little French beret on its head. She's a baby. And just I hate all of you. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, Max is a dumb title, but uh, but, but pussy, whatever that was, you're yeah, a pussy. That Come on, great, actually, <laughs> with, with the cat with the French beret. What's wrong? Come on, it's great. It's gonna be fabulous. <laughs> oh, it's gonna have all the Paramount okay. content on there. Oh my god. So, um, anyway, this is this is good news for them. Like again. In in a in a year and in a world where it took Netflix nearly decades to go ahead and get that, um, they seem to have turned around things for HBO Max and now they're profitable. Anyway, Chris, you saw the report, mm-hmm. you heard about this. It, this is in direct contrast. Keep in mind, Warner Brothers itself still lost money this quarter overall, yeah. but it seems like they've got their HBO thing kind of straightened out. What do you think about that? I'm still trying to wrap my head around Euro Pussy. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very stuck there. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> see, when you sign up for that service, that's the Euro pussy right there. It's adorable. That cat telling me my taste is garbage. How many Euro pussies can you get? Oh, my God. Guardians of the Galaxy made 70 million Euro pussies this weekend. <laughs> Fabulous. That's a lot of pussies. I mean, that's more than... <laughs> dude, that's more than, like, Black Adam made, too. It is a lot of Black Adam pussies. Yeah, it's very true. I've never seen pussies <laughs> at that rate. <laughs> there was a very long pause there, my friend. Uh, <laughs> what are we okay, talking about? HBO Max making money. HBO. Um, Honestly, one of the things I contribute this to is that, you know, I I always went to Game of Thrones parties, House of the Dragon parties, right? And we all watched together, right? Right. And then The Last of Us came out and all of us went, I don't want to watch this with anyone. I want to be in the comfort of my home, swaddled in blankets, crying and eating snacks. And I don't want any of you looking at me. And I think that was quite a boon to the viewership. (laughs) What? I've been prepared my whole life. (laughs) We at the agency of your pussy. We have been prepared for this moment. We are ready to strike at any moment. (laughs) Going on now. (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, It's been nice having sponsors. It's been a nice run. Thanks. Mint Mobile, you were fun. (laughs) Oh. <clears throat> Sorry, what were you saying, Chris? That's, right, no more. That I'm, was the last I'm one. done. I'm done. <laughs> Look here, we're talking about these guys. We're talking about these guys. Money. Yeah, good, good for them. You know, Paramount is in some serious. Wait, are we HBO Max or Paramount? <laughs> we're on HBO Max. We're on oh, HBO Max. Oh now. yeah. So never mind. Let's cut that out. <laughs> yeah, this isn't live. You're fine. It's <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Uh, uh, all right, guys. Well. Anyway, <laughs> question is for you. What do you think about this? Hey, HBO, they've been able to turn things around. They now have the service as profitable as they're going into the transition to Max. Uh, again, the name could be worse, I suppose, as we've demonstrated. Uh, guys, what do you think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down in the comments section below. What do you think below. is streaming on Euro Pussy? <laughs> Let what me content's know there? Your 
thoughts. This is going to replace Bring on the Filthy now. People are going to end all their all their messages. Europa. <laughs> all right. Uh, was that it? Oh no, there's still yeah, another topic. Oh, wow. Speaking of pussy, <laughs> let's fuck. Let's end the show. Let's just end the show. Wow, Rick got really aggressive. <laughs> it's because, man, I keep thinking about Guardians. I keep thinking about Guardians. You know, I've never been so mad at a screen since John Wick 1. I've yeah. never felt so angry during a movie. Yeah. Everyone go see Guardians, please. <clears throat> anyway, let's move on to the next topic here, shall we? Oh, my gosh. And our next topic and final topic here today. <laughs> for, has, for, for the rest of the <laughs> for the rest probably our final topic here on the John Campion show it's been a nice run everybody is um, Yellowstone now back in February sorry back in February we heard our first reports that there was trouble a brewing on the Dutton Ranch that Yellowstone want to get a sense of how popular Yellowstone is okay Succession one of the more, if not the most celebrated show on TV right now, just hit a ratings record. I think episode three of the season was a ratings record. What, what did it hit? Like 4 million viewers? I think that's right. Something like that. Okay. Season premiere of Yellowstone, 16 million viewers. I mean, just to give you a little bit of context about just how big Yellowstone is. And it, before The Last of Us came out, is my favorite show on TV. I mean, now I think The Last of Us is, but Yellowstone is my favorite show on television. I freaking love this show. Uh, I can't get enough of it. It is Sons of Anarchy and The Godfather on Horses. <clears throat> and I love it. I eat up every second of it. The, the, the characters are fantastic. The uh, dialogue is, in, is insane. The storylines are great. I just, I love this show. And one of the cornerstones of it is Kevin Costner. And it was back in February that we heard the first whispers that Kevin Costner may be leaving. And we ran through the big list the other day about there's a lot of tension and uh, animosity between the series creator, Taylor Sheridan, and Kevin Costner. And apparently Costner only wanted to shoot for like a week on the second half of season five. And then there was money disputes. He's already the highest paid actor on television, apparently, according to reports coming out of deadline that he wanted more, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, it's been, what, four months since season five, part one, finished? And they haven't even started started shooting the second half of season five. Yesterday, it became official that Kevin Costner was leaving the show. And now it's official that Yellowstone, the series, is coming to an end at the end of this season. Whenever they get around to shooting the second half of this season. According to the reports, this is it. It's done. Yellowstone is finished. Now, they've also announced, as they also kind of hinted at and alluded to back in February, that it is going to be replaced with what is being called a sequel series, a continuation, if you will. Uh, our friends over at Joe Blow, they wrote it like this. According to an official release from David Glasser at 101 Studios, one of the production entities involved with Yellowstone, the Dutton story continues. Picking up where Yellowstone leaves off in another epic tale, we are thrilled to bring this new journey to audiences around the world. So Yellowstone's ending, Yellowstone Electric Boogaloo is born. <laughs> the new Yellowstone is coming out. Now, um, I'm okay with this. Like, look, as long as you keep Rip and as long as you keep Beth and Jamie and Lowell 
And as long as you keep the heart of that cast and crew, look, I, I love Kevin Costner on the show. I love him. But they've done such a good job populating the show with such incredible characters <clears throat> that I'm okay. Even though I'm bummed, totally bummed. Now, this is where back in February, rumors came out that one of the new stars of a sequel show will be Cousin Jethro, I guess, Jethro Dutton, uh, whoever. But Matthew McConaughey apparently is going to come on board and join the show as well, which I mean, Matthew McConaughey is Academy Award winning actor. I love Matthew McConaughey. So I'm okay with it. But here's something else that's interesting. I was talking to uh, our business guy this morning. And he says, you know, here's another interesting little point of this. I'm like, what's that? You know what's not on Paramount Plus? Yellowstone. All the other Yellowstone stuff is. It's a Paramount production, but they've already got a deal. I think, I think where does it air? It airs on Peacock? Peacock, yeah. Yeah, Peacock, right? Well, guess what? Now that you're officially ending the show, this sequel series can now come back over. That's it. That show's done. Well, they license Contract it to Europussy, so. <laughs> yeah. Or, hey, listen, I heard Europussy is going to put in a big yeah. offer. Yeah. Big offer on this. Yeah. That's smoking cat means well, an business. offer it can handle. Yeah. This <laughs> year. So, um, yeah, I'm good with it. I mean, it it kind of sucks. I love the John Dutton character. I love Kevin Costner on the show. But again, Rip, Jamie, Beth. I mean, these are some of the best characters on television. As long as they stick around, I'm okay. And it sounds like a good business move to say that that show is over. This is a brand new show. So they can maybe now put it on Paramount Plus if they continue it. Seems like a good move. Anyway, Chris, I I, I don't think you and you and Logan aren't Yellowstone viewers, no, right? But no. you've been following the drama here. How do you think fans of Yellowstone will respond to this? I mean, you're losing Kevin Costner. That's huge. But it says they're going to be able to keep the majority of the rest of the cast. And like if they're able to keep like all the cast members I, I mentioned, do you think the the audience will come along with it? What do you think? I think so. I think they will, especially with these reports. And we don't know what the validity is to them, right? Of Kevin Costner doesn't even want to work on this show. I think a lot of fans are going to say, well, then good, don't work on this show and give me the show that I want then. And I think doing a new kind of spinoff sequel, however you want to phrase it, is the right move. Just you can physically move it and also have something fresh here. The issue that could come into play here is, does this then end up, and I know this isn't apples to oranges, but does this end up feeling a little bit like when The Office no longer had Michael Scott? Mm. You know, do we then lose that and we lose our footing for a really long time? I love the collective. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Made a good point today. (laughs) Point car. But I, I wonder if that is something that could happen here then of just, does this still feel like Yellowstone without the John Dutton character very present. I, I think the office analogy is a good one because I, I think it offers two possible futures. After Michael Scott left, after Steve Carell left the show, a little bit later before the show ended, it started to find its footing again. I think, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot. When Michael Scott left, and this is how it ties into to Yellowstone, they made one mistake. And that was to make the Ed Helms character. What was his character's name again? Uh, Andy. Andy. Bernard. They made the decision to make Andy the most irritating character on the show. Mm -hmm. They decided to make Andy the face of the show. They made Andy the new office manager, which which if you follow the show, that made no sense. 
Let's uh, take but, the guy who had to go to anger management training. Yeah, and smash holes in walls. Wall. And according yeah. to the show, was a terrible salesman. Yeah. But here was the thing. Hangover had just come out. Hey, Ed Helms is a big star now. Make Andy the main character. And I personally feel like as the office was progressing, them making him the center point of the show, that ruined the show. And I like Ed Helms. Don't get me wrong. I do like Ed Helms. And I think Andy is a good secondary character in it. But they figured that out. You could tell in the show when they figured out that, oh, this was a mistake making Andy the centerpiece of the show. And as they started to move the show back towards Jim and Dwight and Pam and stuff like that, the show found its footing again and then had a fabulous series finale, right? If Yellowstone can avoid that mistake, right? If Yellowstone can avoid taking a character who is not your solid character and just making them the center of it and ignoring characters like Rip or Beth. I'll tell you what, I still think Rip or Beth or Jamie or I forget the name of the youngest brother off the top of my head. But if you make them the central pieces of the show, this could be great. And even bring in a, a Matthew McConaughey as, a, as another Dutton, whatever, just like they brought in Harrison Ford as another Dutton, then it could work. Or it could be a disaster like, the office as soon as Michael Scott left. So we'll see guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? It's now official. The remainder of this season five, once the second half ever comes out, that's it. Yellowstone is now done, but Yellowstone, a new class, uh, will then <laughs> debut. And, uh, with, uh, with many of the same cast, do you think the audiences will follow along with it? I know I will, but hopefully it'll still be good. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your Thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to get over to your questions that you guys have been sending in. But before we do, we want to take just another second here and thank another sponsor of today's show, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours if you'd like saving money, the good folks over at Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for saving me tons of money and for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. You know, uh, as we went to commercial, I said to Jonathan, it's like, man, I can't believe how fast you came up with a picture of a cat in a beret. And then dear sweet Jen, <laughs> dear sweet Jen back there. She goes, yeah, I tried to Google pictures for Euro pussy. Did not find anything safe for work. <laughs> so like, That's okay. In which Chris instantly said, clear your browser history. Yeah, you gotta, uh, you gotta. 
<laughs> all right, guys, with all that down, let's get to your questions here. We'll start with the questions that you guys sent into our tip link. Again, you can use the tip link anytime, 24-7. You don't have to wait for the show to be live at streamelements.com slash John slash tip. So what do we got in there, Chris? Sorry, real quick. Soulcraft was like, that's why I use a VPN. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that leads into our next sponsor, ExpressVPN. From Cast Game, I'm going to name three actors that haven't been in Star Wars. Pick one to play a Jedi, one to play a Sith, and one to play a Mandalorian. We'll start with the main cast of Everything Everywhere All at Once. Michelle Yeoh, Kia Kwan, and Stephanie Hsu. The answer is Michelle Yeoh. That's it. <laughs> the answer is Michelle Yeoh. Although, after <laughs> watching the them. dark side of Stephanie in uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, she could be a Sith. Kia Kwan is uh, Grogu. Uh, I, I, would, I would go Grogu on that one because he's damn adorable. I love him. All right, what's next? From Elizabeth J. Hi, guys. Are you all caught up with Ted Lasso? What are your thoughts? I'm loving it, even if I'm falling back to liking Nate. Sorry, John. No, you you go to hell. Um, <laughs> Nate, no, look, that's insane. I have not. I am now two episodes behind. <gasps> no. Yep, I'm two episodes behind. Ann and I, I mean, with CinemaCon and everything else Ann and I have had going on, we haven't, haven't had a chance to catch up. So we're two episodes behind. And I, I have loved this season. I know there's some, I've been hearing some people say, oh, this season isn't as good. I'm like, I, I, I don't know I like which. I this better than season two. I, I, yeah, yeah, I like it better than season two. I mean, it's going to be hard to top the charm of season one. Yeah. But I mean, I still really like season two and I'm loving this season so far, but I am a little bit behind, a little bit behind. All right, what's next? From Robin Banks. Hey guys, any chance to get an update on when the Campia sponsorship winner will be announced? Ah. Thanks for all you guys do. Uh, yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. So I was expecting... 10 to 15 applications. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we got around 100. And um, so yesterday, I, uh, I tasked Ray and Jonathan with going through all the applications. Oh, were we supposed to do that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I told them to go through all the applications. Because every application had like a video attached to it as well. And so I had them go through all of them. And I told them to narrow it down to seven. And then to present me with the seven hopefuls. They are giving me those seven hopefuls today. So I'm hoping by Monday we will announce um, who we are going to work with as uh, as part of the Campia uh, YouTube sponsorship program. So keep your eyes open. All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave, <clears throat> even if the start of filming is just delayed by a month or two because of the strike, it can still cause huge problems. Some actors and key crew members have tightly laid uh, schedules and may not be available for a later date. That's yep. the thing. That's like. True. You have the the biggest job in the world in Hollywood is scheduling. Because when you talk about, think about this. You and four friends try to organize a dinner. Go ahead. I don't have four friends. Oh, wait a minute. No, sorry. So-and-so and so-and-so aren't available on Tuesday. How about Wednesday? Well, on Wednesday, I got this. Well, how about Thursday? Well, on Thursday, they've got that. And all of a sudden, you and four friends, you're planning three weeks ahead of a Tuesday at 4.30 in the afternoon that you can get together and have dinner, right? Think about Hollywood. You're talking about a movie that has thousands of people involved with dozens of different companies and people's schedules are locked and whatever and doing the dance of scheduling Hollywood. And you're right, even delaying something by like a month, unless it's like the pandemic where everything got delayed and just everything sort of moved back. That is a tough, tough thing. And you're right. Like, even if a show, a movie gets delayed by a month, it's going to cause chaos. And it's uh, it's something nobody likes. Nobody likes it. All right. What's next? 
From Jay Kong. Hey, John, I'm a production worker on shows and movies shooting in uh, British Columbia. Yes. As this is my main income to support my family. How badly would this G uh, WGA strike effect work here in Canada? Would love to hear your thoughts from a Vancouverite to a Torontoian. Uh, well, I'm not, I mean, I lived in Toronto for a while, but I'm really a Hamiltonian. I'm a Hamilton kid, but I lived in Toronto, love Toronto. It's one of my favorite cities. Um, yeah, it's going to it's going to hurt. Um, you're not going to feel it right away. Because, again, a lot of shows are already in production. They've already got their scripts locked, whatever. But listen, what do they call BC now? Hollywood North? Basically, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, almost, like half the things that Aaron would have to go to shoot would be up to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. That's what her and Tom, like, before deciding to move to New York, they were seriously looking at moving up to Vancouver and BC. And so, yeah, if they don't get this thing settled quick, unfortunately, the reality is it's going to hit. And it's going to hit hard. It's going to affect production up there because so much Hollywood stuff shoots up there. And um, here's just hope and fingers crossed. Let's get settled soon. All right. What's next? From Tim Platt. <clears throat> so I was binge watching Star Wars Rebels for the first nice. time in a long time. And I forgot how truly menacing he was. He? Thrawn. Okay. In the books, Thrawn is just as sharp strategically, but comes off as more heroic for his people than villainous. In the upcoming Ahsoka series, do you think he'll be more straight villain or more of an antagonist? And which do you prefer? Yeah, this is a good question. I brought this up after because the Thrawn novels that came out, which are actually pretty damn good. The Thrawn novels, the new Thrawn novels are actually pretty, really good. But while they say it's all in canon, and the Thrawn you see in these novels is the same Thrawn you see in Rebels and will be the same Thrawn that we see in the Ahsoka series. While they say that, they act as very different characters because in the Rebels series, Thrawn is your traditional villain, a great villain, but a, your traditional villain nonetheless, cold and ruthless and all this kind of stuff. Whereas in the Thrawn novels... Thrawn actually comes across as a hero. I mean, all, I mean, he's, he's fair. He's just, he's logical. He, and at the heart of all of his decisions is just really for the well-being of his people. And that doesn't quite equate. So you ask a great question that I, as a fan, have been asking myself, what Thrawn are we going to get in Ahsoka? Now, it seems to me that Ahsoka is basically Rebels uh, 2.0. It's just Rebels, the live action series. And Filoni said that it could be viewed as an additional season. Yeah, it's just another season yeah. of Rebels. So my thought is that they're going to go with Filoni's version of Thrawn, which is the more mustache twirling villain. And again, he's a great villain as that. I kind of wish it was the novel's version of Thrawn. I find that Thrawn way more interesting. I, I feel like the problem is that after the, um, in the novels, you know, you had the collapse of the Empire and it's just far different. He had four Star Destroyers he was trying to make, survive with, right? Right. And build again. Whereas with this, now he's plugged into the First Order. So he kind of has to be that mustache. In, well, in, but in remember my... by no novels, I don't mean the old heir to the empire. Oh, novels. gotcha. Like I mean the recent oh, like Thrawn, Thrawn trilogy. Yeah. And, the yeah, new yeah. books that gotcha, are in yeah. canon. Right. And I kind of prefer that Thrawn to be honest. And I think that would be a really neat foil just because they're, they're placed in a position where their, their interests are opposed. I think that would be a much more fascinating guy, but I think the one we're going to get is the one from rebels. All right. What's next? 
Uh, now we switch over to Supers. Excellent. From Dr. Stinky. Guardians is one of, if not the best comic book films I've ever seen. I cried probably 12 times. It hurt to cry halfway through the film. Top two MCU. Um, I'm going to assume you mean Guardians Volume 3 mm-hmm. uh, when you say that. It's an emotional movie. Um, more emotional than I was prepared for. There were, I was surprised by a couple things in the movies. I was expecting certain emotional things that didn't happen. I wasn't expecting other emotional things that did happen. Um, I, I mean, for me, I don't have it in my top, say my top five MCU films of all time, but that's a really, really good group of movies. I thoroughly enjoyed Guardians 2. I still think I prefer Guardians 1 a little bit more, but it's a great movie. And again, 96% audience rating right now with over a thousand registered, confirmed people who've seen it. I mean, that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. All right. What's next? Oh, Oh, darkness Uh, from Johnny Got Lost. Loved Guardians 3. Almost cried five times. I'm seeing it two more times this weekend with friends. Yeah, I've still only seen it once. I think I definitely got to see it again before our movie club event on uh, Sunday. By the way, guys, good time for me to plug that again this Sunday. Don't forget, either come join us in person in Burbank, tickets down below, or join us via live stream, tickets for those down below too. This Sunday, Talking Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah, I really do need to see it again uh, before I see it. I want to see it at least a couple of times because you're right. I mean, there are a couple moments in there that, like, I generally don't cry movies. I've cried in like four movies in my life, but the choke, getting choked up and feeling uh, some tears welling up in the eyes. Yeah, I got to that point. All right, what's next? From Walter Hundley, when do you think the trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon will be released? Have you heard any news on that yet? Well, well we they showed it. us a trailer at CinemaCon, <laughs> yeah. so they've got one ready to roll. And guys, guys, this movie looks great. This movie looks great. If you're just looking for a lot of explosions and ninja fighting, this this won't be the movie for you. But I think all of us, like me, Rob, Chris, I think we all, when they showed the stuff they showed us for Killers of the Flower Moon, we all went, oh my, my God, this is going to be good. Yeah. Maybe not as much as we were saying that for Oppenheimer. Oh yeah. Oppenheimer looks messed Oppenheimer up. Oh looks God. like give it the Oscars now yeah. sort of thing. But, but Killers of the Flower Moon looks incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to imagine with them having a trailer ready to go, I can't remember the release date for it. Um, but I, I imagine it will be soon. I imagine it'll be soon and you're going to love it. All right. What's next from Jaden Voss. Do you guys think Barbie will make a billion? I think so. Because just like the Mario movie, it's a multi-generational film, but more generational since the sixties. I also think Barbie hasn't been nearly as big as Barbie has been in the past 15, 20 years. I, 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 so no, I, I don't think now I would love to be wrong because while I have not been really on the Barbie bandwagon, um, what they showed us again at CinemaCon completely changed me around. I'm like, okay, now I cannot wait to see this movie. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to come anywhere near uh, those levels. Like a Barbie movie in the 80s, maybe could have could have been done better. I, I don't think Barbie is the hallmark today that it used to be in ages past. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not Mario. Um, so no, I, I don't see this movie making a billion dollars. Although no, no, I'd love no. it if it did. What do you think, Chris? I don't know. I think there's the potential. Really? Yeah, because it is something that appeals to multiple generations. I can't talk. Multiple generations. But also you've got, you know, this stacked cast, this incredible it cast. It is a great cast. That is filled with people who are super hot right now, and I think that it stands a really good chance of that. Also, uh, Flowers of the Killer Moon is set to go to cinemas October 6th. Okay, so it's still a little ways off. Yeah. So maybe not as quickly as I thought. We might have to wait a little while for the trailer. 
All right, what's next? From Damaris Love, do you think the next movie from Nintendo will either be Legend of Zelda or Donkey Kong? I think with the response Donkey Kong is given, I think it's definitely going to be Zelda. Yeah, it's not um, going to be Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. I don't. Yeah, I did, didn't didn't love Donkey Kong in in that movie. I, I think it's got to be Legends of Zelda, but I'm not even sure it's going to be animated. Like I, I think they go live action. Ooh, I think they do a live action Zelda movie. That'd be rad. I. I think they're going to do it, but and I'm excited about it. Don't you think even before you go to Zelda or whatever, you get it, Mario Brothers 2? Okay, that that's what I was going to bring up next. I actually think the next movie will be Super Mario 2. Uh, but I do think we're going to hear very, very soon about a Zelda movie going into production. All right, what's next? From Elizabeth Hirado. Hi, have you guys caught up on Ted Lasso? It's so good. The only problem is they're redeeming Nate. Look, there is no redeeming Nate. Nate needs to burn with fire. Um, but again, I say that as somebody who's two episodes behind, maybe they will change my heart. It's upsetting. Uh, Logan screamed at the TV and goes, oh, don't you make me fucking like him. <laughs> like, it, it's frustrating. A little piece of garbage. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's next? From Matt W. Have you heard about DC Creature Commandos casting? I'm even more excited for it now. I'm going to be honest with you. Now, I, there is an asterisk here. I don't get terribly excited about animated movies when I hear who's doing the voices. That, I mean, I can hear who's doing the voice and go, okay, that's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, oh, nice. But generally speaking, you know me, I, I, I just think professional voice actors should be doing animated characters rather than celebrities. Sometimes it works out great, like Jack Black being Bowser. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it doesn't, like Seth Rogen doing Donkey Kong. And I say that as a big Seth Rogen fan. We've got one in the mix, though, because we've got Alan Tudyk, who is a fantastic voice actor. Right. He's and, able and to do both. Was, who was um, uh, Romulo in uh, in Winter Soldier again? Uh, oh, uh, Frank Grillo. Frank He's Grillo. He's been announced. Fr David Harbour supposed to be part of the cast, yep. too. I mean, so they got some really good names, but I, I'd be lying to you if I said I got excited. Now, the asterisk to that is that James Gunn has said that any voice actor they get for Creature Commandos that if they bring some of those characters into live action, they're going to use the same actors. So that's interesting, but mm -hmm. how much they actually will do with that, we don't know, so I can't get excited about it yeah. yet. But we'll see. The inverse didn't work super well for What If, right? Because, yeah. I mean, Sebastian Stan, I think, is an incredible actor, but his voice acting in that was really, flat. really lackluster. It was flat. Yeah. yeah. You got to reach that mezzanine, and some of them are too afraid to go big. Guys, get... If you're doing an animated thing, get professional voice actors. Get Tara it Strong is a up different in there. art. Mm. It's a different art. Yeah. Anyway. All right, what's next? From CJ Rebirth. Uh, Linda Cardellini as Layla has such a sweet voice. Oh, she oh, did I didn't a great know that job. was her doing the voice. I looked it up afterwards because I was that sounds familiar, but this is so well done. She crushed it. She did such a good job. Yeah. All right, what's next? From uh, Jose Garcia, is there a chance any other union joins the strike? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Chris, who is a member of uh, the, the actors union, uh, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. um, fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. All, all over social media already is, hey, here's ways you can stay busy during the strikes. Yeah. And how you can continue your craft while the not working. The strikes, plural. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's next? From uh, Mongo Mongo, Gizmo or Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda. I love Gizmo. Love Gizmo. But Baby Yoda yeah. is just, yeah, a little cuter. All right, what's next? From Groovy Don't Play, or Grubby Don't Play, excuse me. Have you seen the show From, episode five and loving it? Yes, full disclosure on From. 
From was the first show that ever, uh, how do I put this? I became a social media influencer for. They paid me, I'm going to be full up front. I think they paid me like $15,000 to get, to do like five tweets about it. So I remember I told them, and I remember this is big because when they first came to me with that, they, uh, I said, but I can't accept until I see the show. So they sent me the first like five episodes and I loved it. So I'm like, yes, I will do this. So I, man, I wish I was still getting the, I don't know. I got to find more of those types of social influencer things. Yeah. Cause that's still the only one I ever really had, but they didn't even pay me to talk about it on the show. They just paid me to tweet about it. I was going to say it was a really good deal too of just like, just be honest, just tell people about it being on. <laughs> yeah. Just, Hey, if you like it, put out a tweet at this time, at yeah. this time, at this time, at this time, and we'll give you $15,000. And I'm like, well, if I like the show, I'll do it. And then I watch it and I'll, the show is really good. Now I got told, somebody wrote in the other day and said, man, I'm really liking from season two so far. I'm like, I didn't even know season two started because I think it's an epics show. Yes. And I don't have epics. So I was able to watch the show because they were just sending me the episodes oh. so I could watch them. Right. So because I don't have epics, I didn't even know season two started. But yes, from is Fabulous. I really, really, really like it a lot. I highly encourage you guys to check it out. I'm not even being paid to tell you that, uh, but I highly, highly, highly encourage you to check it out. It's, it's, yeah, it's really good. It's really great. All right. What's next? From Devin Lita. Since we have some boxing fans, has anyone on here heard about a boxing match between Wings of Redemption versus Boogie by Keemstar? <laughs> yeah. I don't even, I don't. Uh, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like recently they've been having these creator YouTube creator boxing matches or clashes because with the with Jake Paul and Logan Paul. Right. You know, so now it's like yeah. actually not boxer versus boxer, but YouTube personality versus I've never YouTube even heard of either of those two. So, yeah, I, I, so, I've heard of that. I which mean, is fine because I'm sure neither of them have ever heard of me. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I, I watch the replays every time, like on YouTube, like after mm -hmm. after the event. But, yeah. I, I don't know why anybody would be interested in watching non-fighters well, fight. Well, if you follow like YouTube, some YouTube personalities and they actually don't like each other, it, it can get interesting just to see what it ends up being. That they go get to this point where they make money, but also they settle their thing in the ring, which I think everyone should do. Like there should never yeah. be any blasters involved. Is that how but, we're going to solve our beef? I, I really don't think the way to solve your personal issues is to fight. I'm that's just saying, if, if, I don't no, know. no, no, let that's last resort. I'm just saying, like, if, 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 if for no reason you just have to punch each other in the face, yeah. then do that, but let it be over afterwards. Uh, you know what I mean? You know what I found? It, that rarely makes it over. Yeah, that doesn't make it over. <laughs> that doesn't make it over. We're never but... doing the cook-off. It's Ray and I just punching the shit out of each other. <laughs> Forget the cook-off. All right, what's great. next? <laughs> From Jane <Maybe>? Voss. <laughs> Are TV commercials also affected by the writer's strike? Uh, union ones, yeah. Are we going to be seeing the same Burger King, Progressive, uh, Verizon, etc. commercials for a little over a year? So a lot Are of times, agencies hiring WGA writers to write their spots? Sometimes, 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 not always. A lot of commercials, though, themselves are non-union because then a lot of times they just have the actors improvise on set, so you have a loose storyboard of things, and then it's oh, this is kind of what we want to have going on, but you guys figure it out. I mean, isn't it in the copy just written by 
the marketing? Typically, yeah. yeah. And usually copy for The question is, does the marketing co company employ WGA right. yeah. writers It's or usually not? just a marketing team there. And okay. then that's why you usually, if it is something like for voiceover, you can't defer from the copy because the legal team's approved of it. Whereas other times where it's just this loose construct, it's, oh, hey, you guys come up with it. I did a Triscuit commercial a couple of years ago where it was just, you're going to just say like, shitty things about people in your office and like we just want you improvising those things and then we just need you to like hit the Triscuit like tagline at the end. I'm pretty sure Don Draper was not WGA. Yeah, pr not. probably not. Definitely so not. you will probably see new commercials still. Yeah. yeah. All right, what's next? From uh, Colonel Useless. <laughs> hey, John, on live stream, Adam Conover from the WGA board discussed information and said that- Disinformation. Disinformation. Um, and said that during the WGA negotiations, the AMPTP- That's the producers. Sent a fake story to Variety claiming the WGA supported AI writing. Petty on the producers. I don't recall ever seeing a story that the producers, that anybody claimed that the WGA was pro on- using AI. I look, listen, to be fair, cause you know, on this show, we have, we have been very, very pro writers. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, and, and that's what we are now to be fair. I saw a, an article. Maybe we should have covered this as a story. I don't know why I didn't. Um, the producers, so she finally put out their own statement, like to respond. And, and they, they made say, said some pretty compelling things. You know, one of the things that they've said is like, look, the writers are not getting or refuse to come to grips with the fact that television today is not the same as it was 15 years ago. The model is different. And because the model is different, how we create them needs to change too. And there are certain things we're not willing to do and certain things that we are and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's, it's, it was a good reminder to me that there are two sides to the story and the truth is somewhere in the middle ground. But I mean, the thing I still really turned me off with the producers is when the WGA came to them on two of the key things and made a proposal and the producers didn't even counter propose. They just said, nope, and walked away. And it's like, okay, that's not how you get anything done. And so, but again, I still encourage people to go and read the response the producers put out because there's some pretty interesting things in there. Anyway. All right, what's next? I, we should add to the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television everything that also is made up of executives and things as well, not just producers. Yeah, not just the producers. Too. So, but those who too. produce this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've got a couple questions about like, what if you're in both and how does this all work? Uh, Fernando MM, the writer's strike is not all bad. Sure it is. She-Hulk writers can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> oh, God. Sit down. Real question. Could studios hire non-union writers during the strike? Those non-union writers will never, ever be allowed to join the WGA. Yeah. And once, once the strike is over, you can't get work unless you're in the WGA. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, you, they could, but you're, here's the problem though. You're hiring then the bottom of the barrel. Like I still giggles like good. I the, the people who write She-Hulk, blah, blah. What's your favorite show? Well, my favorite show is Succession. Guess what? Written by WGA writers. Mm -hmm. Well, my favorite show is Breaking Bad. Guess what? WGA writers. Well, my favorite show is this. Guess what? WGA writers. I mean, is it? So yeah, you can, but, but you know what? It's like acting. It's like acting. So many movie fans just think acting is easy. Anybody can do it. It's just, it's just easy. It's nothing. Anybody can do it. Takes no skill, takes no talent, takes nothing. You can just do it. And it's really, really hard. The same thing is true of writing. It's really, really hard and difficult. To, to write good stuff. I know this because I've spent the last 20 years, ever since I started the movie blog, of peeping, people sending me their scripts. 
<laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's usually so bad. <laughs> um, but a lot of people forget it's, it's a really hard, difficult thing. These are the best of the best. And like, yeah, some non-union writers can do it, but you are literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. And then those people will never write again. And so it's, yeah. Well, and and this tricky. is an issue is we've, I, I've posted about this on socials too. The WGA has posted about this. A lot of times studios will try to entice people into doing grants or joining writers rooms when these strikes happen. Sure, of course saying, they do. This is a great way for you to get your foot in the door. And you need to know that it's not because the WGA truly will never allow you to work for them if you cross this picket line. They have posted about that numerous times, you guys. So I know a lot of people who watch this show, too, are writers who want to be in this industry. Keep writing. Keep working on your stuff. Do not be posting about things on social. Do not cross that picket line unless you're ready for those ramifications. Yeah, because why would the WGA? It's like, oh, so while we were on strike trying to make better a better environment for all writers and create a better work environment and create better wages and better things for all writers. And we were suffering by striking to get these things for writers. And you went out and continued to hurt us while we were on strike. Yeah. You're never going to be part of that union. Nobody would, nobody would, you would never let somebody on your team that was going out and screwing your team while your team was suffering. I mean, anyway. And I know that was a lighthearted joke, but those kind of jokes also perpetuate this idea that these writers are very replaceable, that this isn't going to affect people's livelihoods. And that's why I'm just going to kind of call out stuff like that, you guys. All right, what's next? From Jesse Has a Turtle. Haven't seen the movie yet, but what are your thoughts on this current version of Groot? Also, is it true Star-Lord's helmet is absent? Franny face. Um, Got to think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no Star Wars helmet, helmet in this movie. Didn't I, even uh, notice it. Didn't, didn't. Clearly, didn't miss it. Yeah, <laughs> clearly didn't miss it. What was the other question? Is the what we think of Groot? Of, what do you think of this version of this Groot? version's awesome? This version's great. Yep. I will tell you this. There's a no, 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 not yet. Let's give it the weekend. All right, all right. We'll, right, we'll yeah. give it the What's weekend. What's next? Please. From Jermaine King, I was wondering if you all have had a chance to watch the Apple Plus film Ghosted. It's an entertaining action rom-com that's full of amazing cameos. I still haven't. Is that what Chris I don't Evans? know. I, yeah, yeah Chris that's Evans. the Chris. Uh, no, I, I've heard, I can't get past the I've heard nothing yeah. but it's dog shit. Oh, no. Yeah, I've heard like this. You're, you're mm. honestly, and it's all subjective, so I'm not undermining how you felt about it. I haven't seen it myself. But I was getting ready to watch it, and I had like five different people tell me it's absolute dog shit. And so I'm like, okay, I can use my time to keep getting caught up on succession or whatever. So I, I haven't watched it yet. Even though I love Chris Evans, I love Anna Armas, but you are the literally the first person I've heard say that it isn't complete dog shit. But again, that's not my opinion. I haven't seen it yet. So at some point I might sit down and subject myself to it. All right, what's next? From Dildar the Glorious. F high evolutionary for what he did to Rocket. Yeah, we obviously can't talk about that, but clearly yeah. the trailer lets you know that high evolutionary did something to Rocket. And yeah, you're going to want him to die. You're, you're going to want him mm. to die. All right, what's next? From Suthius, if you were in the character's shoes, which would be the more terrifying scenario? The opening infection spreading scene of World War Z or the opening infection spreading scene of The Last of Us? Ooh, they're really the same thing pretty much. And it's zombies that can run, which is just like, Ugh. yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Yeah. So I, I can't differentiate because if you were just living in that world, you wouldn't know what, is this the world of the last of us infection starting or the world of world war Z infection starting? It, it would, it would appear exactly the same. So I think it's probably be a, a push. That one will be a push. 
All right, what's next? From Seconds from Disaster, when I took karate as a kid, we had the Hour of Power class, which worked out the original MK so, uh, Mortal, Kombat. The Mortal Kombat yeah. soundtrack. Super energetic CD. Yes, I said CD. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I still remember my very, very first. You just gave me great name. I, my very first. The first martial art I ever took was just karate. And it was at the Huntington Park Community Center is where all right, then I was kid going there and I remember I got my first gi and all that kind of stuff. And our, our instructor would play music during a lot of it. They'd get us going through our katas and things like that. And he'd play music and something. I don't think it was mortal Kombat music granted, but that would be pretty, that'll get your uh, blood pumping for sure. If you're listening to juke joint Jezebel as you're doing your stuff, that'd be great. All right. What's next? From seconds, oh, that's we just did that one from Jay Bling. I just want to see Carl Urban break a lot of balls since that was Johnny Cage's signature move. Oh yeah, and then it would pop their heads off, right? Yeah. Is that I can't remember his yeah, finishing. Yeah, punch yeah. people in the dick and then their heads would pop off. Yeah, wow. Well, if he did it really hard, yeah. yeah. If he like, did like it really hard, yeah. Sometimes it's just like a quick thing, you know, make him suffer. Like a little, uh, yeah, but then when he little wants, ball tap. When he wants to kill them, he punches so hard the brains fly out of their head. Well, that's something. how I feel sometimes yeah, yeah. when I get uh, nailed in the nards, I guess. <laughs> watching Mortal Kombat? Was that, was that the recreation center? That, that could be it, as a matter of fact. Is that the one in Hamilton? Yeah. That, then that would be, yeah, the Huntington Park. I mean, it's been, it's been refreshed yeah. since then. But yeah, that was, uh, that was the place. I'm surprised you were able to find a picture of that. Well, I'm good. All right, guys. With that down, that'll do it for today's <laughs> installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to you guys who sent in the tip questions and used the Super Chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it and all of us involved with the John Campion Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Uh, don't forget, guys, this weekend, this Sunday, is our movie club event. Uh, if you guys want to come down and join us live, there are tickets down in the description of this video. Or if you want to watch the live pay-per-view stream, the tickets for those are down there as well. Myself, Greg Alba, Christian Harloff talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Hope you guys are able to join us for that. And guys, it is now the weekend. I hope you guys have a fabulous weekend planned out ahead of you. I know Ann and I have got a great weekend planned out. I hope you do too. But that'll do it for now for everybody in the room. Ray, Jen, Jonathan, the wonderful Chris. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.